Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. And I'm so glad that you are here today. Praise God. And by the way, I'm so happy to be here with you because we just returned from our tour to Israel and it was a fantastic time and it's great to be back in the pulpit. Praise the Lord. Amen. I'll do my best on Wednesday to show you some videos and pictures of the wonderful time that we had in the Holy Land. Amen. Now, let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, just for a moment. We're going to receive the tithes and offerings. And while this is not a typical tithe offering verse, I want you to understand something very special. Verse 10 and 11. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the, and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the strategies of the devil. Mm -mm. The strategies of the devil. You know, some decades back, Dr. Frederick Casey Price, pastor of the Crenshaw Christian Center, talked about when he received the revelation of tithes and offerings and an he, he caught an understanding of God's financial plan that he began to give the tithe and began to give offerings and time went by and time went by. And he said, nothing was happening. He said, actually his finances were getting worse. And he went before the Lord, which is what any wise inquiring person would do. And he said, Lord, what's wrong? And the Lord basically revealed to him that there's an enemy out there and you have to use your faith to aggressively move forward in this area. My friends, just because we honor God with the tithe, which belongs to him, 10% of our income, 10% of the increase that he brings into our life. Does it mean that just because we're obedient, we sit back and everything like runs on an autopilot where it just automatically falls into the pla into place? Yes, we must be obedient, but we must also be in the midst of the situation, walking in faith and also praying that everything come through signed, sealed and delivered just the way that it's supposed to. Lest the enemy get in there and through his bizarre strategies cause things to happen that might cause a hang up or a slip up or some kind of a problem that would thus lead to financial frustration. You know, some years back we had a situation where the ministry needed $13,100. Well, I prayed about it and I said, Lord, I trust you for it. And we got closer and closer to the date and that need was not met. All the other needs were being met, but that need, which was an extra was not getting met. And it got to like right down to the last, you know, like the last day and a half. And I really needed that, that money at that point. Cause there was a time, there's a time situation on this. So the time's ticking down and I sensed in my heart, something wasn't right. And why? Because, well, I'm a tither, I'm a giver. So things should be working right. And I'm, I'm praying, I'm standing in faith, but Something was uh, weird here. And Kelly sensed that something was wrong. Something was wrong, and it was related to the office administration. So she called uh, the person that was overseeing the mail. We had different departments within the uh, administrative office. So she, she called and spoke to the person that oversaw the mail, that picked the mail up every day and put it on her desk. 
And she said, did you do anything different with the mail? She said, well, I did see a, a few envelopes that were just junk mail. And she said, I threw them out. And Pastor Kelly said, you threw them away? Did, did you, are you sure they were junk mail? She said, well, they looked like it. And Kelly said, something's, something's wrong. So uh, she put the phone call in late at night because the Holy Spirit was really working with us. And, and that's when we realized something had been thrown out in the mail that probably didn't need to be. So I came down here because Pastor Kelly said, Stephen, you should go down there right now and check the mail. I said, I believe I need to. In other words, check the trash. And so I, I went to look for the trash, but the, uh, one of the office team had already taken all the trash out and thrown it out in the dumpster. And the trash truck is coming in the morning to pick up the dumpster and haul it to the landfill. If he goes out there, you'll never find it. So around midnight, probably a little closer to one o'clock in the morning, I start digging through the trash dumpster, getting all the trash out of the way. And would you believe it? It's in the trash bag that's at the very, very bottom of the giant trash bin. Well, I got, I got down there and got the bag out because I'm having a terrible open and look to see what's on the inside. I'm looking for uh, the mail that was thrown out that was supposed junk mail. And guess what? In the last bag, there was one envelope and there was like coffee grounds and banana peels on top of it and a whole bag of trash on, you know, uh, it was at the bottom of this trash bag and there was an envelope, yet it wasn't wet. It was perfectly dry. It wasn't even bent. And when I looked at it, honestly, it did look like a piece of junk mail, but I opened it up and there was a check to the ministry. And at the bottom, there was a note. It said, Pastor Stephen, please apply this. Uh, to your best discretion, however the Holy Spirit leads you. And the amount was for $13,100. Woo! Praise God. Praise the Lord. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the strategies of the devil. The devil has strategies to frustrate your finances. So you must put on the armor of God. You must walk in faith. You must stand on the Word of God and use the sword of the Spirit. And don't give up, don't back down on the promises of God, and pray and stick with it until the thing is pulled through all the way. We don't want any half-baked testimonies. We want the full testimony signed, sealed, delivered. Amen. Praise God. Now today, as you bring your tithe and your offering into the storehouse of God, do so with unrelenting faith. Do so knowing that prosperity is in the new covenant. Take your stand and fight the fight of faith and refuse every form of lack and insufficiency and fill your mouth with praises unto the Lord and stand. Amen. Keep your hands on the prosperity plow and your due season of reaping will without question come to you. Praise God. Now, for those of you that prefer to mail in your tithes and offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina, 28654. And every piece of mail here is now checked. That was over a decade ago, but we implemented a strategy. Every piece of mail is checked. It doesn't matter if there is, if it is junk mail, it's going to get opened. It's going to get looked at. <laughs> Nothing thrown out without a thorough review. Amen. I'll guarantee you your mail will be checked. Amen. And received. Okay. Now, if you prefer to bring the tithe and offerings in online through the internet, which is super safe and secure, highly encrypted, uh, 
please go to stephenbrooks.org. At the top, there's a header that says Give Online. You can click that. It'll take you to the giving page. And there's a segment that says fund F U N D. It's very fun to click fund and it'll drop down as a menu, a drop down menu. There's the section for the tithe. There's the section for your offering. And it's very easy. And it comes straight into the storehouse of the Lord. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray that any strategy of the enemy to delay the prosperity that you have for your people. I pray today that it be foiled, uncovered, and be stopped. And I thank you, Father God, that your people break through now. That there will be those this week that have miraculous breakthroughs. Things will be released. Past funds will be released. Old uh, payments that were never paid will be paid. Everything will be current. And I see your people out of the red and in the black and never knowing lack or insufficiency again. Now, Father, we give you all of the praise. In Jesus' name we pray, and we say, Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's take our Bibles and go over today to 1 Samuel chapter 18, and let's pray. Father, as we jump into your Word today to study it, to feed upon it as spiritual food, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come and illuminate the scriptures that we can take them as honey and eat it and receive illuminated knowledge of your will and your ways in Jesus name. Amen. And amen. Praise God. And we're going to be doers of the word. Praise the Lord. My friends in first uh, Samuel 18, we're at the place where David has already killed the giant named Goliath. He's taken him out and he has gone on to lead a thousand men. He's been made the commander of a thousand men and he's going from victory to victory and he's doing so well. They're even writing songs about him. You know, you're doing pretty good when people start to write ballads about you and sing about you. Well, that upset King Saul because in one of these particular songs, they are attributing uh, more greatness and more glory, more accomplishments to David than they are to the king. And that really began to bug the king because he was very insecure, very jealous. And so he actually now wants to position David in very dangerous places where hopefully David would get killed or that David would make a misstep and then be blamed for something. And then Saul would have just justifiable reason to either dismiss him or preferably even kill him. But David is aware of this and he's actually doing really, really good. Look at this in first Samuel 18 verse 14. And David behaved wisely in all his ways and the Lord was with him. Therefore, when Saul saw that he behaved very wisely, he was afraid of him. My friends, when you read this and you understand the background of David, that he was nothing more than just a young shepherd boy, you think, how did he get this leadership ability? And how does he know how to just suddenly be thrust into a situation where he is leading with great capability, a thousand men beneath him, and he's making great decisions over and over again. What happened? Was he born with this? No, he wasn't. But we must look carefully and examine how he got this. How did he know how to behave so wisely? 
Well, we're going to talk about that. Now, 1 Samuel chapter 16, let's go to verse 12. So he sent and brought him in. Now he, that would be David, was ready with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. You know the story that all of uh, Jesse's sons were presented before the prophet Samuel. And Samuel thought certainly that Eliab, the oldest one, who was very handsome and tall and had all the attributes of what would appear to be a great leader, but yet God said, no, I've refused him. He's not the one. God uh, made that amazing statement to Samuel that he doesn't look on the outside. He looks on the inside. Praise the Lord. And so here we see that David is chosen. Verse 13, then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. My friends, on the day of that anointing is when David's life changed. He had, before that, had what you could call intermittent or temporary type anointings, where as a shepherd boy, he would kill a lion or he would kill a bear. That's very spectacular. But then that anointing would lift. But a new anointing has now come upon him. And it's poured upon him out of the horn of oil. Saul had a different type of anointing. His anointing was done with the flask, but the, ho the horn represents power. So David had a power anointing, and power is also synonymous with wisdom. You cannot separate the two. So David had that anointing, and then we see just after that in, in chapter 18 that he now somehow just knows how to go about and do things very, very wisely. Oh my goodness. So we see that the root of that is the anointing and the anointing is the product of the Holy Spirit resting upon the life of a man or a woman. Praise God. The anointing affects you profoundly in the area of your decision-making. As we saw with David, he was going around very, very wisely behaving as a general behaving as somebody that was quite capable of leading not just an army, but potentially a nation. And that was God's agenda. Now, Matthew chapter 13, let's drop over there. Matthew chapter 13. And we're going to go down now to, let's go to verse 53. Verse 53. Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables that he departed from there. When he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Well, my friends, in a sense, you would have to wonder, you would have to think, where did he get this wisdom from? How does he suddenly have this ability that he never had before? Did he get it from the uh, University of Carpentry? No, he didn't get it from there because other people graduated from the same carpentry school and uh, they, had, they had, you know, training or formal training, but they don't have what he's walking in. So where did he get it from? Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? See, they just can't figure it out. 
He's not from royal lineage. They knew who his mother is. They, they uh, you know, knew who his father was. But they just can't figure out, how did he get this? Now, we saw that David had acquired it through the anointing. But here we see that Jesus also now walks in something that he previously did not have before. And let's turn back to Matthew chapter 3 for that discovery. Matthew 3 verse 16. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. My friends, Jesus was just as much the Son of God, the Son of Man, when he was 12 as he was when he was 30. He was just as much God's Son when he was 18 as he was when he was 30. But he was not anointed until this moment. Wow. Before then, he was God's son, sinless, living upon the earth. But this is when the anointing came. And so we could answer the questions of those in Nazareth when they said, where did he get this from? We could say, technically, he got it from God when he was immersed baptized in the Jordan River when he came up and the Spirit of God came on him that is when he got what all of you are now talking about Woo! praise the Lord mm -mm. thank you Lord Jesus well let's go to the book of Proverbs just for a moment Proverbs chapter 8 praise God thank you Lord Jesus we're heading over the Proverbs chapter 8 and this is going to be Verse 15, praise the Lord today. Proverbs 8, verse 15, and this would be wisdom speaking, wisdom personified as a person. By me kings reign, and rulers decree justice. Well, we see that David reigned as a king, how? By wisdom the anointing of wisdom coming upon him that allowed him without ever graduating from West Point Military Academy to lead effectively a thousand men and to go about behaving very wisely how how did he get that he wasn't born with it it was given to him when he was anointed by Samuel the prophet and that oil was a representation of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit came upon him, and now he was able to behave very wisely. Woo! And Jesus also, uh, who was the king and is the great king of kings, he also reigns through wisdom. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Well, let's dig a little bit deeper. Let's go over to the last book in the Bible which is the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ revelation chapter one. And let's go to verse four, John to the seven churches, which are in Asia grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. So these are the seven spirits of God that are before the throne of God. Seven representing perfection, 
representing completeness. It's God's number. There are seven days in a week. And so you have that completed, perfected week. And so we see the number seven used a whole lot in the book of Revelation, but particularly what we're looking at here, the seven spirits of God. Now let's go over to Revelation chapter three, verse one. Verse one, and to the angel of the church in Sardis write, these things says he who has the seven spirits of God. So Jesus has the seven spirits of God upon him. Praise the Lord. Now let's take a look at the names of the seven spirits. This is found in Isaiah 11, the classic chapter, Isaiah 11. Now, I want you to understand that there is only one Holy Spirit, one Holy Spirit, but there are seven manifestations of the Spirit of God, and they are outlined here. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and the branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. So let's count them off real quick. Number one, the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. So that's the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of wisdom, number two, and understanding, number three, the Spirit of counsel, number four, and might, number five, the Spirit of knowledge, number six, and of the fear of the Lord, number seven. Now, I want to put an image on the screen right now. I want you to take a look at that. We're going to examine this image just for a moment. Many of you recognize here, of course, the golden lampstand known as the menorah, which also happens to be the symbol of the modern day nation of Israel. So here we have the menorah, which is representative of the seven spirits of God. Now, before we read these, I want you to know that the menorah was built by Moses in the wilderness tabernacle with the, with the commanded instructions that it must be of one piece. So while you're looking at this picture and maybe that you would think, well, they'll, they would take a couple of these, uh, uh, bended pieces and then they would take the straight piece and they would just stick it all together. It wasn't like that. It was poured from one complete mold. So these aren't just different pieces that are stuck together. It's one mold made out of solid gold and it's hollow on the inside so that it has the capacity to store oil. So what I mean by that, that it's one complete piece and not a bunch of pieces stuck together. The menorah is representing the Holy Spirit. He's one person, but he has seven primary distinct attributes that burn as flames before the throne of God. The seven spirits of God, again, in the center shaft, we see the spirit of the Lord. That is the center shaft. Now, there on the right, just next to the spirit of the Lord, would be wisdom, the spirit of wisdom. And that's the closest to the Lord, because that is the primary manifestation of the Holy Spirit. So we have the spirit of the Lord, the center shaft, and then we have the spirit of wisdom corresponding with it. On the left of that would be the spirit of understanding. 
And then we have the spirit of counsel and the spirit of might. And then we have what we could call the bookends. We have the spirit of knowledge and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. So you need all seven, just as Jesus had all seven resting upon his life. We need to have all seven of them resting upon our lives as well. Now today, I want to talk about the menorah and your golden focus. And I want to key in just a little bit on the spirit of wisdom, which is the one just to the right of the center shaft. The spirit of wisdom. What is wisdom? What does the spirit of wisdom allow you to do? It allows you to know what to do so that you could go around like David did, behaving wisely. Listen, some of you could receive a promotion, and you may have been a manager over 30 people, but God could promote you, and suddenly you become manager over 700 people. Well, Pastor Stephen, there's a deep learning curve. There's a lot I've got to learn. Yes, but it was the same way with David, but when the Holy Spirit is on you with the spirit of wisdom, you are able to behave wisely. You just know how to fit there. And although you may be new there, you're, you're able to somehow have this composure as if you've been there for 20 years. Wow. Praise God. Now, the spirit of wisdom is the ability to discern difference. Wow. Um, I want, I really want to kind of focus on this one today because it's so good, but let me come back to it. The spirit of wisdom is also the ability to anticipate a consequence. He gives you the ability to anticipate a consequence that if you s stick your finger in the mouse trap and the trap goes off, it'll could slam down and break your finger. Uh, so you have to be careful on things like that so that you can anticipate whether this is going to work out good or bad and what the consequences might be. Wisdom also is in knowing what God says you can have. In other words, what your portion is of the 12 tribes of Israel, each of them had their own portion, their own uh, inheritance of land. And it was given by lot and the Holy spirit moved upon the lots so that these tribal areas and within each tribe, you had the, cl the clans or the families that would live there. It was all given by God. It wasn't just randomly poured out. No, the Holy spirit gave each of them their own inheritance. So wisdom is in knowing what God says you can have. And one of the worst things that you can do in life is reach for something that God never intended for you to hold. Woo. Praise the Lord. What do you need? The spirit of wisdom. Cause trust me, you'll have your hands full with faith and, 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 and the works of God to possess what already is your rightful inheritance. You certainly don't need to be going off on a rabbit trail, pursuing something God that God never intended for you to be chasing. Praise God. Now I want to go back to this. Uh, wisdom is the ability to discern difference. Primarily, watch this, primarily the difference between right and wrong. Primarily the difference between good and evil. So it's the ability to discern difference. The difference between your assignment and my assignment. The difference between Please listen to this carefully. The difference between what could be an opportunity, an open door, and what could be a trap. Not every 
open door is from God. It could be something that the enemy is plotting to catch you in that will tangle you up and distract you from what should be your golden focus. Mm. So wisdom is the ability to discern difference, the difference in an environment. Every, uh, every, every corporation, they have their own culture, their own environment. Every career field has their own, you could call it their own ecosystem, their own, even their own language, their own way of talking. Praise the Lord. The surfing culture is very different from the culture of uh, aviation and uh, space exploration. They talk different, uh, behave different. They might have a few similar interests. They, there could be some crossing over, but usually you're looking at different types of ecosystems. So wisdom is the ability to discern difference, difference in an environment, difference in people. Hmm. Yeah. I talked to a minister one time. He went, went, he went to a conference and sitting on the front row was the guest speaker, T.L. Osborne, world renowned missionary who had won uh, countless souls to the Lord. And uh, standing behind the pulpit was the pastor who was going to introduce him to come up and speak. But the pastor had never had a crowd this big before because everybody came to hear, you know, a lot of people came as guests to hear T.L. Osborne. But the pastor, you know, he got so excited that he talked on and on and on and on and on and on. And he could not discern that the people did not come to hear him. They came to hear God's great servant who was only going to be there one night. <laughs> so by the time the pastor got done, uh, the, the, the guest speaker hardly had any time to talk. What happened? Lack of wisdom, lack of ability to discern the difference in people. This is a world class international level ministry uh, or minister with a breakthrough anointing. Uh, this is not a local pastor preaching to 30 people. So you, you, it's the ability to discern difference. Now, let me say this. Wisdom is not produced through time. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever met people in their nineties? Maybe they're, you know, they're even at a hundred years old and you think, well, they must be very wise because of age, but age and time do not equate to wisdom. Now you will pick up some things just by spending longer and longer period of time on the earth. But sometimes it seems to elude many, many people, but it's not through time that wisdom is gained. Praise God. Mm -mm. Now, the flow of oil, the flow of the menorah, Holy Spirit oil, the touch of wisdom helps you to understand your difference. Praise God. Let me say this, even for example, with ministry. For ministry, there is a message that always distinguishes the call of the minister. When you think about Kenneth Hagin, you think about faith. When you think about Oral Roberts, you think about healing and a mandate for education. When you think about, uh, you know, you, you could just name names of certain ministers and you instantly associate in your mind that name, that minister with their message. So for ministry, there is a message that distinguishes your calling. For me, it's, it's a two-part it's a two-part mandate that God has given me. Number one, I teach about faith, faith in God, believing God, trusting God, applying His Word to receive the promises that God has given you. So I teach, number one, faith in God. And number two, 
how to have a close walk with God. Now, these, uh, these two messages can be expanded out into other like sub-messages, but they're all still anchored on this two-point commission, this two-point mandate that God has given me. I started my ministry with these two commissions, and I will end my ministry with these, uh, with these two. I think I held up three fingers. I meant to hold, hold up two, <laughs> amen, which are faith in God and a close walk with God. This is what I've been commissioned by God to teach and preach in my ministry. So whether it's your ministry or your business, you must have a clearly defined target. How many of you remember years back, it was probably maybe about 25 years ago, you could actually go into McDonald's and you could buy a pizza. Wasn't that like, it was like weird. I mean, it just seems strange to buy a pizza in McDonald's. Well, of course, you can't find it anywhere today because McDonald's realized, you know what, this is not our thing. We're not a pizza place. We, we're not a pizza corporation. We are a franchise built on the sale of hamburgers. And that is what the mandate was in the original founder of McDonald's. And, you know, even if later generations come and try to change that, it still won't work. Why? The DNA is what? Hamburgers and French fries. So they, they dropped the pizza because it wasn't working. Didn't taste very good either. Mm -mm. What about Starbucks? You don't go to Starbucks to buy a cheeseburger, nor would you expect them to sell you one that they know that's not their, that's not their thing. That's not their thing. Matter of fact, I don't think in my life I've ever had a coffee and a cheeseburger consumed together at the same time. Have you, <laughs> I haven't, I've never had a coffee, a big old latte and a cheeseburger and a, a French fry go down at the same time. It just doesn't mix. So you must have a clearly defined target, which brings me to this point. And this is why we're talking about your golden focus as related to menorah, the menorah, the spirit of wisdom, and that oil flowing and having a profound effect upon your mind and the way that you think. What's the number one reason people fail in life? It's because of broken focus. That sounds real simple, but it's the simple truth. The problem of broken focus is compounded when you don't understand where your focus is actually supposed to be. And let me say this, that your focus and your assignment is actually hidden in Christ. So no, no matter how successful you are in the world, even if you're picking up somehow some signals of what you're supposed to do in life and God's plan for your life, you'll never know the true purpose until you know Jesus and you've given your life to Him because your destiny and your true purpose is completely tied up in Him. And without Him, you'll never achieve uh, the plan that God has for you. Praise God. So we need to understand where our focus should be. Let me give you an example. Ministers, they, they can lose their authenticity or even the voice, the resonance of what God gave them when they go out and they start copying what other ministers are doing because they don't know where the focus. So they focus on what others are doing and maybe they jump on that bandwagon and they start with that same message. But by doing that, they lose that authentication, which actually brings authority. And 
causes you to stand out from the crowd, but they, they just copy and they jump on the trail of what everybody else is doing. This is interesting. Look at this in the Gospel of John. It's very sobering, actually. John chapter 1. Let's drop down to verse 21. Let me grab a drink of hot tea. John 1, verse 21. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? Now watch. This is what John the Baptist said. He said, I am the voice of one crying in the, in the what? In the wilderness. I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Mm -mm. You know what? As long as John the Baptist stayed in the wilderness, it's like he was invincible. I mean, even the Roman soldiers who could abuse their positions and can be, be a little bit on the thuggish side sometimes because they've got the manpower, they've got the swords, they've got the military, they've got the financial backing of Rome. Even, even the Roman soldiers were like awestruck with John. They wouldn't challenge him. There was something on John when he was in the wilderness, that even the soldiers said, what do we need to do to get right <laughs> with God? <laughs> I mean, he was hot, and he was the hot ticket. Mm -mm. And you know what? They were coming to him. Oh, Pastor Stephen, if you go out there in the wilderness, nobody's going to come out there. They will, if that's what God said is your distinction. If that's where God says you're supposed to be, and your focus is that? Yeah, they'll come out there. They may have a heat stroke. We may have to lay them out underneath a palm tree and give them some Gatorade, but I'll guarantee you one thing, they'll come. Mm -mm. But what happened with John when he went to the city? He lost his head. I mean, it's sad. It's almost like Jesus was lamenting what happened to John. Ah, so maybe, maybe it's like, as John's ministry began to, uh, to diminish and the Lord's ministry began to increase exponentially, maybe John stepped back and said, you know what? Well, he's going to the city and maybe I need to get out of the backwoods. Maybe I need to stop eating, you know, locust wild honey. Maybe, maybe I need to get a little more updated. Maybe I need to start really pushing social media. No, no nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. But the moment he leaves the wilderness and he goes up to the city, and he starts talking with Herod, and by the way, rebukes Herod, and said, hey, that's not right that you, you, you've married your brother's wife. Uh, he highly offended that woman, and watch out for a woman who's been uh, publicly embarrassed like that, who has power and authority. <laughs> she didn't forget it. And the next thing you know, he's got his head being taken off because of a young teenage girl that performed the dance routine. Wow. Wow. You know, here's something you really need to understand. It's, it's a terrifying reality. There are some places you can go where you're anointing, which is so effective where you're at. There are some places you can go that will take you out of that radius of your anointing, and you're not effective anymore. Woo! It doesn't work over there. It works here. It doesn't work over there. 
Oh, Pastor Stephen, it'll work everywhere. That's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. You've got to know your focus. And that is also part of working with the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of Wisdom. Knowing what your voice is, what your message is, your distinction is, and what your focus is supposed to be. And for John, as long as you're in the wilderness, you're the hot ticket. You get out of there, you lose your head. Because mm, he's still going to preach. No matter, he's still going to have that bite and that roughness and that edge. But it doesn't work out there. Reminds me of St. Francis of Assisi. Assisi, Italy. And he left Italy. Can you believe it? And he walked all the way to Persia. That took a long time. And he got there. And he led uh, one of the sultan princes to Jesus. He was a, Muhamm a Muhammadan. And he led him to the Lord. But the Muslim prince said to him, he said, look, I, I have received Jesus. I know he's the only way to God. But he said, I can't tell my people this because I'll be beheaded overnight. So it was later that night when the Lord spoke to St. Francis and said, go home. You'll have very little fruit in this land. Go home. And he did. And he did. Got one person saved. Praise God. Now that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, Pastor Stephen, that means God doesn't want to save those people. No, no, no. It just means that's not his assignment. It is not his assignment. But Pastor Stephen, we're supposed to go in all the world and preach the gospel. Yes, but it's a real big planet. Look, we hear these numbers and we throw these numbers around like this city has 7 million, this city has 10 million, and we have 8 billion people. But when you get out there and realize how big 8 billion people is, it's staggering. There is no one singular ministry, regardless of how gigantic their budget might be, that can cover it all. That's just not possible. It's the planet's too big. There's too many people. There's too many languages. <laughs> Woo! You've got to play your part. Hmm. Whether it's business or ministry, or the career field that God has for you, you've got to let the oil of the Spirit, represented by the menorah, the Spirit of wisdom, begin to touch your mind, so you get in your thing. You get in your niche field, and you begin to go up from that position. And it doesn't matter if you're out in the wilderness. If that's where you're supposed to be, that's where they'll show up at. It doesn't matter if God tell, tells you to open an ice cream shop out in the middle of the desert. God told you that's where your anointing's at. You get out there and you'll find out you'll be the stop for all the tour buses. You'll be the stop and you'll be prospering right there. Amen. You'll be a sign and a wonder people can't figure it out. But you can understand it because God's spirit of wisdom has touched your mind with a higher level of thinking and understanding. Mm, mm, mm. Matthew chapter 11. Woo! Oh, please turn here and look at this one with me. Oh, 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 oh. You, we have to embrace these re, uh, realities. Mm. We cannot make excuses for failure. We cannot make excuses for stagnation when we have lost our focus. What's the number one reason men and women fail? Broken focus. Look at this in Matthew chapter 11. It's a, it's a jolt. It's a, it's, it'll, this one will grab you. Matthew 11, verse 2, and when John had heard in prison, oh, he's in prison, about the works of Christ, he sent 
two of his disciples and said to him, are you the coming one or do we look for another? Can you believe the low point that John has reached? He's not even sure at this point if Jesus is the one yet he stood on the shore, stood on the, uh, uh, the bank of the Jordan river and said, that's him right there. The behold, the lamb of God, the son of God right there. I mean, he preached Jesus. He preached Jesus everywhere, but now he is at such a low point that he sends representatives to ask, are you the coming one or do we look for another? Wow. Jesus says a few things. He answered and said to them, go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. John had gotten offended at Jesus. I don't understand why I'm here in prison. He's out there preaching everywhere. Everybody's celebrating him. I had my moment. How come? Bob, what's going on? What's happening? What's happening? John, you forgot your original mandate. You forgot your focus. I am the one out in the world. Out where? Out in the city? No. You go to the city, you lose your head. I am the one out in the wilderness proclaiming. Yep. And as long as you did that and stayed there, they were coming, weren't they? Mm -mm. But you go in the town to give Herod a mouthful, and uh, it. I'm telling you, there are places where that anointing that is on you, it won't work if you get out of areas that you're not assigned to, whether it's John the Baptist or whether it's St. Francis of Assisi with another tremendous anointing. Wow. Here's a good one. Let me tell you another story about St. Francis. In some areas, when he would run into uh, uh, pagan kings, and he's wanting to get the gospel over to the king in the shortest amount of time possible, he'd just say, well, let's just get to it. He said, look, you have your, uh, your, uh, your priest, your religious leaders build a big bonfire. He said, I'll come over here. I'll build a big bonfire. And uh, he said, let's just light both of them on fire and your religious leaders, let them walk into their bonfire. I'll walk into mine, bring all the people and whoever comes out alive will be the one that proclaims the true God. And the king, you know, up to that point, the kings would say, yeah, yeah, we like that. Let's do that. And he won many people to the Lord that way because he'd walk into fire, come out unburned. The others walk into the fire, of course, burned up and dead. <laughs> but, you know, when he went to Persia, he did the same thing, told the king the same thing. He said, let's just have a showdown and get this over with and win all these people to Jesus. And the king did mention that to a few of his, you know, um, imams and, you know, religious leaders. They said, no. We don't play that game. We don't do that. We're not going to have a public showdown. Well, they, they, knew, they knew why, because they knew he's going to come out on top, <laughs> and they knew they're going up in smoke. So they're like, no, we don't do that here. So they didn't give, they didn't give the athletes, uh, how can I say, the competitors, the, they didn't even let them get on the field to play to see who's the true champion. They wouldn't let it happen. So I'm saying if you get out of the spectrum of your anointing, it won't work there. Watch these things. This works the same, not only in ministry, it works in business. It works in your gift. It works what God has put inside of you. And see, John is upset at the Lord. That's why the Lord said, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Jesus is saying, I'm not your problem. 
I'm not the reason. I'm not the reason that things aren't working out. I'm for you. I'm for you. Don't become offended at me. Mm, praise God. Praise God. It's powerful, isn't it? There's a lot in there. A lot of people, when things don't work right uh, or something bad happens, they want to blame the Lord. But Jesus said, again, blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Don't copy others just because it's working for them. Don't you do your thing. And that's where you'll end up being celebrated at. Maybe not right now, but watch, it will come. Don't jump on something just because it's popular, because trends change. You jump on your assignment. You jump on what you're supposed to have as your golden focus. And that is the reason of the seven spirits of God. That anointing of the spirit touching your mind. You ain't got time for sidetracks. You don't have time to be going off on wild goose chases. Praise the Lord. You know exactly what you're doing. You're not wasting time. You're not wasting money. You're on the task and you're staying on it until it gets done. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Jonah, very quickly, Jonah chapter 3, verse 2. Now watch this. Listen carefully. Verse 1, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, now listen, arise, and go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. Oh, well, Pastor Stephen, there's no need for Jonah to go. God could send Andrew Womack, and he could go over there and preach grace. Or, or God could send uh, Joseph Prince. God could send both of them, and then they'd get the double grace message. That's, that Nineveh was not meant for those men. Mm -mm. Jonah and the message that God gave Jonah. That's the man for Nineveh fire's going to come. And in 40 days, Nineveh will all be overthrown. You're all going to be wiped out. <laughs> How many of you know, not everybody can preach a message like that. Mm -mm. But Jonah was God's man. And you have to embrace who God has called you to be. We can't all be cookie cutters popping out like clones, robots walking around, all saying the same thing. You have a distinctive voice. Don't lose it. Mm. Praise the Lord. This is really helping somebody. <laughs> your message is your identity. It is your voice. And really, honestly, it's also your attraction. That's what makes you attractive. Praise God. So, therefore, your focus and your message, it must be well-defined. If you know what God has sent you to do and focus on it, you will have distractions just like, it's just like they melt away from your life. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. What should I do, Pastor Stephen? Write down what your focus is supposed to be. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2. Habakkuk 2, verse 2. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision. Well, what should I do? Wri write it again. Write it out. Praise God. Why? Writing guides you. Writing reminds you of what you already know, and it solidifies it within your spirit and your mind. 
all of the messages that I present, I write them out with notes. I don't print something off that maybe somebody else did or something like that. Uh, even if I am going to pull a nugget that I've received from somebody else, I'm going to write it down. Why? It gets into my spirit and it allows me to teach it with the competence because of an understanding of it because I've written it down and therefore it gets into your mind and spirit better. Write it down. Write down what your golden focus should be. Praise God. Mm. Writing it on paper helps it to stick in your memory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. My friends, let me say, please run away from what God has not sent you to. Run away from it. Don't get all tangled up in it. And the next thing you're sidelined for three months, run away from it. John chapter six, you'd be amazed. You'd be amazed at some of the things that might open up for you, but they may not be of God. John chapter six, verse 14. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did feeding 5,000 men, probably fed all in all about 20,000 people out in the middle of nowhere. And I was there just a few days ago in that field, that hillside where he fed all of those people. When they saw the sign that Jesus did said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. Yep. You got that part, right? He sure is. Verse 15. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. He realized this is going in the wrong direction. We're going to make you the king. I mean, if you can feed 5,000 men out in the middle of nowhere with no grocery store, no convenience store, and you can do miracles like this, and we know you're the prophet that Moses spoke of, you're the one. And he's like, he's like, I'll see you later. I, they wanted to take him right then and make him the king. Some people, they would probably say, well, I know this is not God's will, but I think, I think I'll at least enjoy it for maybe three days. <laughs> if I could be just king for a day. <laughs> Jesus knew, no, this is not what God wants. This is not what God wants. Jesus disciplined himself, and you have to be disciplined also. What is discipline? It's the ability to say no when you should say no. It's the ability to say no when you should say no. And so you have to have that discipline, again, because not every door that opens is of God. It could be a trap. Watch out for these types of things and stay focused. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Please lift your hands. I want to pray for the anointing of the spirit of wisdom to touch your mind, to touch your thought life. Get ready. Lift your hands. Father, I pray for those that are watching right now. They know they have a, an assignment. They know that they have a purpose, not just to breathe air and eat food and take up room on the planet. They know. They know. They're here for the fulfillment of destiny. Father, as their hands are up, I pray that the fresh oil represented by the menorah, the Holy Spirit, that the the anointing of the Spirit, the Spirit of wisdom, come down and touch their minds now, in the name of Jesus, thank you, Father God. The oil of the Spirit coming all over their thought life, touching their mind. And I thank you that from this moment forward, they will know how to behave wisely. 
just like David did, in a new place, in a promoted position. And I just give you all of the praise, Father, that you are moving your people forward in the kingdom plan that you have for their life. Now lift your hands, Father, we celebrate you. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, the seven spirits that are around your throne, the seven spirits of Jesus, which is one spirit, seven representing completion, the wholeness of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, O God, that it is so marvelous that we have to have seven distinct titles to describe his amazing manifestations. Now, Father, we give you all of the praise and we thank you for the spirit of wisdom operating in our lives. The oil is flowing in Jesus name. Shout. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> Woo. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. My friends, if perhaps somebody's watching Today, and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you need to get your life right with God. I want you to make your peace with God right now. I want to lead you in a prayer in just a moment. Perhaps you're watching and you, and you used to serve Jesus and you loved him and you lived for him, but something happened. Maybe you got offended like John the Baptist did, and you never got that offense healed, and you fell further and further away from God, and you got into sin, and you've blamed God for it, but it's not God's fault. My friends, we must face these responsibilities. Come back to the Lord today. I want to pray for you also. I want you to also pray this prayer. So if you don't know the Lord, or if you need to be restored back to the Lord, right now, please pray this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Jesus, come into my life. Let your Holy Spirit come into me right now. Wash all of my sins away. Give me your new life. Jesus, write my name in your book of life and step into me and lead me and guide me from this day forward through your Holy Spirit. In your name I pray, O God. Amen. And amen. Praise God. Praise God forever. Welcome. Welcome to the family of God. And for those of you that just came back, welcome back to the house of God. Amen. Oh, praise the Lord. Amen. Never to drift again. Praise God. Amen. Let's take Holy Communion today together. I want you to grab some unleavened bread. If you don't have uh, one of these nice little uh, wafers, this looks so religious, right? <laughs> but it doesn't necessarily have to be in the nice cup. Of course it doesn't. You could just get whatever you have. But I, I have the bread and the juice. I would encourage you to get a little wafer and some grape juice. But if all you have is a little cracker, Grab that. If you don't have grape juice, grab what you have, and let's take communion together. Father, we pray over the bread and the juice. We bless it. We set it apart as being holy. And we now thank you that this is the body and the blood of Jesus. Father, as we receive the Lord's flesh, we thank you for strength. We thank you for discipline. And let our focus, our golden focus, be Really dialed in. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. All distractions be burned up. We give you all of the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive the Lord's body together. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus, his mighty cleansing power. Cleansing us from all sin, keeping us 
Thank you, O God, protecting us, shielding us. Father, let the blood of Jesus be all over our minds, all over our bodies, our families. We thank you for this protection, supernatural protection of the blood of Jesus. We thank you for health and that we will fulfill the number of our days. Oh God, we give you all the praise. Father, in Jesus' name, we all say, Amen. Let's drink together. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, the, the anointing is certainly here. Father, I thank you for those, anybody watching that might be sick. Let your healing anointing begin to touch them now. Flowing through that camera right into that area of their body where they need it. Flowing into their mind. Perhaps they had uh, even maybe like a brain injury. Maybe some trauma. Maybe some... Um, Things they saw, or some things that were done. I thank you for healing and anointing now into the mind, into the head. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. The anointing is touching your body right now. You know, when we landed in Israel, there was one person on our tour that came off the, uh, came off the jet and had to be taken on wheelchair uh, to the bus to join with the tour. Did you know that once they got on that bus, I told the person, come, come in faith, God will touch your body. Once the person got on the bus, they never needed the wheelchair ever again, walked all over Jerusalem with us. Never had one moment they said they couldn't walk. Walked all over Israel, walked all over the Holy Land, walked and walked and walked. On one day we walked, the whole group walked over six miles together, including a young person from the age of 20, all the way up to an, uh, another woman who was 83 years old. Everybody walked. Everybody was blessed. God was doing miracles. My friends, the healing power in communion is available for you. Receive your healing now. Let it come into you, the anointing now, discharging every form of sickness and infirmity and weakness in your body in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God's word is working in your life. Amen. Praise God. My friends, this week, just let the Holy Spirit work with your mind with the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of wisdom. You're going to have some very high, high thoughts. Praise God. Well, thank you for watching. Thank you for joining me today. And I pray that you have a great week and I will see you back in just a few days. God bless you. Bye-bye.